Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I've got a guy that I've known for a long time, he's a photographer, he's taken uh, a lot of photos around the eastern suburbs, Jason McCormack, he resuscitated his father and it was uh, quite traumatic for him, he had a lot of mental health issues following that and the way he got himself out of it was to start doing ocean swims and to the point where he did the famous Alcatraz swim and the Golden Gate swim in San Francisco. So now let's have a listen to my chat to Jason. This week in the Beach Shack, uh, it's a pleasure. It's uh, an old mate, Jason McCormack. Jase, how are you? G'day, Hopper. Good to see you, mate. Mate, I think always good, mate, always good to see you on the beach. And, uh, mate, I was thinking the other day when I first met you is when I think we are at... uh, the first year or, or second year of Bondi Rescue, and you were the photographer, uh, and we're in little in the studio with little uh, cubicles of each TV show. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then also down at the beach, the the, the group shots at the beach, and and Bobby uh, Bobby being in there, who I used to play rugby union with for the for the for the East Juniors back in the day. Mate, I must say. Uh, you always took the uh, the good angles, mate. Made me look good in those photos. Yeah, mate. Well, they're <laughs> on my website, so they must be good. You're up there in good company too. Bob Hawke and uh, Keith Urban. Yeah. Well, that's what they say, mate. When they, when they get up on your wall, we know uh, that's when you've made it, doesn't it? That's right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to start with a story which is, um, you know, quite traumatic. I've done a lot of resuscitations work as a lifeguard over the years. But uh, luckily, it, never with someone that was a, a family member that I've had to do a resuscitation. Now, let's paint the picture. You found your dad uh, on the floor in his unit and you had to perform CPR on him. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, fortunately, I'd um, been doing the volunteer life-saving um, for, for quite a few years and I never thought I'd have to use it on a family member but he wasn't answering his phone and uh i i had a key for his apartment found him there with his eyes open motionless collapsed by the side of the bed the first first thing that i did was go into cpr mode and uh, i actually called triple first and and so you know you you, you put a, a, the, the phone on speaker make sure the, the front door's open so that the ambos can get there and the police and whatever, and um, started uh, performing um, CPR. And um, it, it seemed like an eternity, um, you know, like half an hour. Uh, you know, I obviously in a, in a great panic. And um, then when the police arrived, they, a policewoman took over from me. But um, unfortunately, uh, he passed away and... Uh, yeah, I did my best, and I, you know, it was it was one of those things that you you know you wouldn't wish it upon your worst enemy. But um, 
uh, he'd had a massive heart attack and, um, you know, I, I gave him my best shot and, I, you know, I'm always grateful for the surf lifesaving to have taught me that skill um, and I know that I can do it in the future if, if need be and, uh, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's the, the tragic side of things is we, you know, I've had many that, that I haven't got back and I have had, um, you know, plenty that have but, Difference is I've found is the defibrillator these days. You know, we've got the defibrillator we've had since 1997. Our success rate has been a lot better. Prior to that, when we're just doing resuscitation, you're really waiting for the paramedics to arrive. And that's the problem that uh, a lot of paramedics have as well because they're usually 10 minutes behind um, after the call to get to the patient. And um, the timelines are, are quite, um, you know, significant. But how did you find that? So you've dealt with your father. They've pronounced him that uh, dead. What happened from there? Mentally, how did you cope? Uh, well, I I went through that day like in a very bad way and um, I basically reached out immediately to my nearest and dearest, um, called, called quite a few people, uh, got over to my cousin's place actually and um, the rest of the family kind of arrived from there but I was in uh, I think fortunately for me I'd um, I'd given up drinking about five months before and you know the first go-to for me would have been to have a drink and uh, I knew that that wasn't the way to go for me because I'd, I'd had depression issues and I was one of the reasons why I gave it away and 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 I I knew that it wasn't going to make anything better. So I, I was determined to just get through it, through having some sort of clarity in my life. And what I, I'd been a member of the Icebergs, a, a swimming member down the end doing the Sunday races and stuff. And I'd always been by the side of the pool looking in envy at the guys that swam the bay. And one of my best friends, Eric Lebecki, who's a, I went to school with up at Vaucluse Boys High, he was uh, an avid ocean swimmer, still is an avid ocean swimmer, and I, I looked at that and looked at the other guys swimming and thought, geez, I wish I could do that. And I, I had a great fear of deep water swimming, open water swimming, just just being out there right out the back and, you know, growing up surfing at Tamarama and Bondi. But I then kind of made a pledge to myself to try and engage in a community a sport, not just the races, but more a sport that involved a bit of fear uh, to get the endorphins going and to set myself some goals to reach an end goal so I could come out the other side. And for the very first time I, I, I tried to attempt a lap and it was fairly good conditions at, at Bondi that day. I got to about, I mean, as you know, Bondi is 800 metres long. I got to about the 700 metre mark and had a panic attack and just totally freaked out. And Alan Gow, who who leads the group, who's a past president of the Icebergs, had to settle me down, you know, get me on my back, deep breaths, deep breathing, you know, all that sort of stuff to get through that panic of, of, of what had just happened. And eventually I, I, I reached the other side. We swim to the boat ramp and then... I got out of the water. I just did the one lap. But generally speaking, we swim from the bergs to the boat ramp and back at the bogey hole at the bergs. And um, 
And, you know, it's just gradually I got that first lap out of the way and then I got the second one out of the way and and then it went on from there and I started swimming in all sorts of conditions and and getting uh, the confidence up. So the Bondi Icebergs uh, do a swim with their sister club, the South End Rowing Club in San Francisco. And I, I, embark, I, I set a goal for myself to try and swim Alcatraz. So that's sort of, that was the beginning of it all. Yeah. And once you decided on doing that to, to swim around uh, the Alcatraz, what um, training did you do? Did you like do more training than what you were doing before or what was yeah. the plan? Yeah, like in 2019, because the swim is in August 2019, and I started around January 2019, and I I just said to myself that, that on the recommendation of the of the more experienced swimmers to swim in all conditions, so it doesn't matter if the shark alarm's gone off that morning, <laughs> if there's rips going, if there's wind, if there's um, uh, you know, even blueies in the water, that kind of stuff to mentally harden yourself for what you're about to face because there's every chance that we were going to face some pretty strong variables in San Francisco. And um, and and so I I just basically forced myself to get in the water and um, no matter what kind of conditions. And, and, that, and that, that served me quite well because by the time I got to San Francisco, I... I felt fairly confident, but but on the day, it's the, 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 the days that, that we swam, it was a different story altogether because we, we did the Golden Gate swim as well underneath the bridge. So, Did you find that uh, by getting in and doing the swimming and, and achieving that goal of swimming in deep water, after what you dealt with with your father, did you think it helped you mentally? Oh, absolutely. It was... Um, Number one, my father's ashes are scattered. We scattered his ashes off off the bergs uh, a few years back, and and I, when I swim out there, I feel like I'm I'm with him, you know. And uh, you know, I say hello to him every morning there, and and he was the one that got me into cold water swimming. We used to go down to North Bondi when I was a kid, and we just in and out, not stay in the water, but just go for a quick dip and and in and out, and that. You know that's not a common thing. I mean, most people swim in in, in the warmer months, and I always kind of took that on board. I, I absolutely idolised my father, and and you know I, it was a big deal for me uh, to have done that with him. And um, and you know I I I felt that um, I really feel at one with him out there. You know, and um, like almost he's he's like an angel. You know, kind of protecting you. And mm. and 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 once I sort of got a bit more comfortable with the fear factor. Now, nowadays, I feel very, very calm when I get in there, you know, and it really is like a meditation for me because, as you know, when you do two laps, you're in the water for about 45 minutes. So you work all your ideas out for the day while it's going on. You're doing deep breathing, you know, the, the natural ions in the water, you know, the, the, the bonding with the swim community, all that sort of stuff, the serotonin comes into play. So, yeah, it's very beneficial. So then you all went over to San Francisco. You went to uh, to do the Alcatraz swim. What was the feeling like when you first got there before the swim? Oh, well, we did. We did. There were four swims, and uh, South End Rowing do it very. They're very well organised, and um, 
We did an, what's called an acclimatisation swim, which is in the aquatic harbour just outside the club. And it's a fenced off kind of area, kind of like red leaf pool with, with that so no nasties can kind of come in and the, the current doesn't get in there. So we got in there to test the water temperature out and it was bloody cold. You know, it was, it was you know, 14 and a half degrees and um, I swam with a suit on um, a lot of the guys didn't, you know, they just had, had their cozies on it. But I knew, you know, I was a relatively a, a debutant at it. You know, I, I was the least experienced and I hadn't been really, you know, I'd never been one to do the ocean swims uh, in, in Sydney, uh, which I that's probably my next goal is to embark on some of those swims. But, but yeah, you do, you don't, you work your way up to it. So we did the first swim, uh, and to get used to the water. Then the, the second one was absolutely terrifying for me because we we jumped off Fort Mason into the water and it was about a 12-foot drop off a pond uh, 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 the end of the wharf and that's when you could feel a current, the famous San Francisco Bay current coming through. And um, and what, all you had to do was tread water and it just took you like, like like a slipstream all the way back to the aquatic harbour and that was like only about 15 minutes away and once you're back inside the aquatic harbour you're okay so we we worked our way up incrementally and then the third day we swam underneath the golden gate bridge and the fourth day alcatraz so what was it like going under the uh golden gate bridge that must have been an experience oh that was amazing because Two different sensations for me is that the Saturday, which was Golden Gate, I hadn't planned on planned on doing it because it got pretty hairy the time before, um, a couple of years before, because it was it was uh, they had to do the jump at six in the morning or something, and it was dark and you know there's a lot of breeze, the current was really strong, and on the day when they were giving the briefing. It was near perfect conditions, you know, and um, and they said the guy said go and get your wetsuit and and, and you got to do this, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I raced back to the hotel, got 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 the gear, and um, and it's one point two kilometres pillar to pillar, and um, and the only uh, the main factor was the fog because the fog was that bad you couldn't see the bridge when we're going out on the boat, you couldn't even see the. The Golden Gate Bridge. So, so it was. Uh, it wasn't going to happen at one stage, and all the Americans were sort of saying, "No, nah, we're not going to do it. We've got a cutoff point till ten thirty. If, if if it clears by then, lo and behold, ten thirty it cleared. The sun burnt through the fog, and they uh, right, we're going, we're going. We're all lined up on the back of this catamaran, and we just jumped in, and it was dead set going like being in a rapids. It was just like you were just up and down and sideways and all that, and you just it was that cold like I've never felt before. It was absolutely freezing, even though I had a wetsuit on. And I just followed the bloke in front of me. Actually, one of the American guys was my, they give you a buddy swim, swimmer, and he swam with me. And uh, little did I know that was his first time as well. And there's a guy on a rowboat, and, and I remember just following this guy on the rowboat, just trying to catch up to him. And, and then we were bump, bump, bumping into different bergs at the time. On, on the way and, you know, encouraging each other and stuff. And then right at the end, one of the American ladies had a camera and she took a shot of all us Bergs together, you know, high-fiving and 
you know, it was like, yeah, I don't know, it must be like running the New York Marathon or winning a grand final. It was absolutely the greatest feeling of elation I've ever had in my life, you know, and um, unbelievable feeling and, and like to have achieved that, and, you know. We, <laughs> the photos I sent you probably tell you the story, you know. <laughs> it was like the greatest thing and, you know, you, you, you know, you, 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 and my father was with me the whole way, you know. And you um, felt that? You felt your father was with you? Absolutely, yeah. And and it was kind of like a the, the, the purpose of the trip was a bit of a dual purpose trip because I've got family in San Francisco through my mother. I've got four uncles and an aunt there and 12 first cousins, all Americans, through my uh, maternal grandfather who was US Navy. And um, I'd never met them. So it's a long story, but I, I, we reconnected with them a few years ago. And the, the afternoon after the Golden Gate swim, I, I met them all at a barbecue for the first time. And so I was this mad cousin from, from Australia that was <laughs> in San Francisco doing the Golden Gate and Alcatraz swim. So it was, I gave a speech in front of the family and all the emotions and all that sort of stuff meeting sort of them. And then the next, you know, I went to bed that night and the next day I knew what was in front of me was Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another story. So you've, you've done the Golden Gate Bridge in, in conditions with your, with your buddy who's, that was his first time, then into the, the relatives you've never met and now you still haven't done Alcatraz yet. No, 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 and, that, and then so it was a bit of a sleepless night, you know, because it, it was a 10.30 jump the next day for Alcatraz and, you know, you have a big briefing and uh, uh, the club's a fantastic club. It's 150 years old uh, in 2023, this club, and, and it's a swimming, uh, rowing and other, all other sports they, 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 they have there. And, and we, we had this briefing and, and I remember one guy in, in my memory bank, he did a Hawaiian prayer, like a traditional Hawaiian prayer to safeguard us all and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was quite a solemn occasion, I remember, having sort of a bit of a minute, minute silence and all that sort of stuff. And then you knew you were on the, on the boats ready to, ready to get to off the rock, the famous rock. So give us an insight now on, on the Alcatraz swim. Go, go from the start to the finish. So you start off on the rock, on the shore there, and then, yeah. Yeah, you get on a, a couple of boats from Fisherman's Wharf and you head to just off the island and they um, you, you, you launch from there. And they're, they're, this is a, a, an interclub, like a, a, a swim. It wasn't a... Uh, there was just the two clubs. So there were only 80 of us that did it that day, about 23 Aussies and the rest Americans. And there is a thing called the Alcatraz Challenge, I think, that where a lot of triathletes do, do it in September. And that's, they go out on double-decker ferries. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the net all about that where there's a lot more people in the water, like there's hundreds of people in the water. So you don't feel as safe when there's only 80 in the water, you know, but you dive in off the catamarans and then you're all together but the current take separates you so all of a sudden you end up swimming alone uh, you end up bumping into people along the way but one of the crucial factors is that you've got to stay on course because they say that 
you've got to stay within a certain parameter of the kayaks and zodiacs on either side because they can't rescue you if you go outside that those areas. So it's basically you, you, you're aiming for the twin towers at um, San Francisco uh, at, near near the club, and you, you're constantly looking up, making sure that you're heading in the right direction. So so I remember um, bumping into quite a few of the the bergs along the way, and you know having a quick chat, and and um, there's all sorts of sorts thoughts going through your mind because it's a for me it was a 52 and a half minute swim and so there's all sorts of emotions running through and you know at one stage I wanted to get out I wanted to put my hand up and but I just sort of you know drew in my old man and said to myself you know my grandfather sailed through here on a US Navy ship and you know just stick with it and and you know I I I got through it but the first sort of one and a half k it was so once again, it was like Golden Gate where you're sort of going from side to side and you're being moved around. The fog was quite heavy, so you couldn't, you couldn't see much in the, into the distance. And you can't see through the water like you can at Bondi. It's, it's quite different kind of water. So, so, and then, of course, you know, the odd shark's probably roaming around. And, you know, and also rogue seals. Seals, uh, they, they, they can take a chunk, you know. But there's... Um, once I got to probably about oh, six, seven hundred metres off the aquatic harbour, the current was really strong, so it was like swimming against a rip. I remember right. feeling so, that. So you're stage. swimming into the current at this stage? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of – you go in a bit of an arc. So when you see – I think I sent you that, that uh, couple of diagrams that well, a lot of people, when they, they wear their GPSs, you see it's it's ended up, ends up being a bit of an, an arc because – because what happens is the, the, the water is surging in from the Pacific Ocean and coming into the harbour and then going out. So there's only really, a, uh, I think, a one-hour window of opportunity to do it. So they look at the tides and the currents and make sure that, that it's, it's, it's conducive to swimming. So you're doing it at that one particular moment in the day or whatever time of month it is so it got really strong at the end I remember really battling against it and um and you know you just stop and you have a bit of a breather and stuff and then you you keep going and once you're in that aquatic harbour you're pretty safe from the current and then it was just a slow and steady swim to the to the finish line and they they take you you know your times down and then we had a big party at the end of it and yeah but I was just totally exhausted at the end of that. That was just, you know, particularly from the day before, from the Golden Gate swim and stuff, it was just physically and, and emotionally draining, you know. And, yeah, it was those two days, greatest thing things I've ever done in my life, absolutely. It would have been amazing finishing something like that. And what was it like when you got to the shore, you stood up and, and uh, said, geez, I've won off from Golden Gate Bridge the day before, now I've just swum Alcatraz. Yeah, well, I, I mean, there's a photo that my cousin's boyfriend took of hanging on my wall of me and, and my mate Eric Lebecki with his arms, our arms around each other, you know, like, you know, a, a big bear hug, like, like it's like you, you survived a war kind of thing. It was feeling of achievement, overcoming personal demons, physically drained, um, thankful and grateful for the swim community that got me there and and supported me through 
some very, very dark times. Because, I mean, the journey really started. I was, you know, as you know, I'm a photographer and it started with, I was on a shoot and it was just after my father's death and I was, I was on the shoot for one of my clients and I was just absolutely bawling my eyes out, sitting in this cafe just beside myself with grief and, and depression. And, and, and I remember um, the shoot was with a guy called Justin Hanby, who's a lawyer who's an English Channel swimmer. And he, we had a, a good conversation that day and, and he uh, went to the Black Dog Institute and, and, that, and I ended up going there and, and speaking to some people there about, you know, overcoming depression and all that sort of stuff and 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 it was that that's where where really the journey started and the and and the interest in swimming and 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 he uh justin introduced me to a guy called peter joseph who's the chairman of the black dog institute and we started swimming together peter and i invite me to the tattersall's club and we start swimming and he's a great ocean swimmer so there was that community there apart from the icebergs that drew me to, to them and, and, and I could see the value in it. And I mean, I, I saw an article with Chloe McArdle this morning about her swimming the channel 44 times, which is, you know, obviously a world record. And I mean, she took to the ocean swimming to, to manage uh, trauma. And you know, she said in the, in the interview this, this morning and, you know, the serotonin exercise endorphins and bonding with the community and, there's so much evidence out there that, that it's, it's a great thing to do. And I've made it my lot in life to spread that message that, you know, you can get through tough times. You can get through grief, trauma, depression by taking on a community sport like that and, and, and finding a good community uh, to get over it. You know, I mean, the, the, the amount of uh, uh, suicide in, in, in men and women, you know, we, we need to get those numbers down. I, I buried a very good friend of mine only a month ago and, uh, and he took his own life. And, and it's, uh, you really you are a good chance of getting through this stuff if you, can, if you can find something like this and set yourself goals. Mate, great advice. And uh, as your proof of that, and that's what um, you know, we try and get out on this podcast is Never give up, you know, that try and find something. And, and your story is perfect for people to, you know, if it's not swimming, find the community um, activities in, in sport or it could be just walking. It could be going bush bushwalking, um, just something, an achievement that uh, you might never, ever have thought of doing. But what you get out of it is just so good for your mental health. Yeah, I mean, even the volunteer life-saving there, like that was something that I, I mean, I'm 55, I only came into that in my my late 40s. It, you know, I was living up the coast and I started patrolling Kilcare up on the central coast and I, that's how I got into it. But even that community of, you know, I'd obviously grown up on the beaches and just, just being um, in the water, community, fitness, all that routine, Routine's so important. We, I mean, we, we swim at 9.30 every morning, 10 o'clock on the weekends, but that's that kind of constant routine. And the thing is, in the mornings, you've got to get out of bed, get out of bed, start moving, go for a walk, go for a swim, no matter what the weather's like. You know? And if, if the surf's smashing over the bergs, it's too big, 
swim, swim in the pool. Swim, and even when they take the lanes out, swim, swim in the pool. Just get in the water um, and, and get, the, get the heart rate up and get the body moving. It's not enough just to stroll along Bondi Beach. You've got you've to get the heart rate up and get moving and, and set yourself some goals. It's great, mate, that uh, you've come on and, and spoken about this. And, you know, you've gone from swimming in a pool and, and petrified of being swimming in, in deep water, but you're proof that if you put your mind to it, you can basically achieve anything and anything is possible. Yeah, I mean, look, mate, even even a couple – with that, when that, the swell was up a couple of weeks ago, it was, I went out there and I was way out of my death. Uh, in the swell, like I, I got, and I had to, a couple of blokes had to help me get in. I actually grabbed grabbed hold of the boy out there at North Bondi, you know, just to gra- get my breath back. And and look, I, I've done, you know, I'm I'm an infant when it comes to all this 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 swimming stuff. Like it's, you know, for me, it's it's really only started in 2019. So it's you still got to have a healthy respect for the ocean. Like, I think one of those days I had to come back in on via the uh, boat ramp because it was just too big, mate. Mm. And um, and also I've had a hip replacement so <laughs> <laughs> since then, so, so I, was, I didn't want to test it out too much, but, but uh, the old footy days, you know. Well, mate, Jason, thanks for, um, mate, telling your story. It's, it's great. And we've got a lot of listeners from the US, so they'll resonate with your story with Alcatraz and hopefully we can motivate other people and maybe one day we can um take a a group over i might come and do it myself and uh get a whole group together go over and uh swim alcatraz oh yeah i'd love to mate. we can probably do it for one of the charities too raise some some funds there yeah mate, for, for sure you know i think it's a very good idea so we're, we're back over there in 2023 with we're doing it again right so well, that might okay. be a goal we might uh put it out there to all our listeners from around the world and if you want to jump on board, we might get a group and go. Absolutely. Mate, now at the end of the interview, I always uh, do five fun facts. Now, you can answer these however you want. There's no right or wrong. So we'll jump into it. Silver lining you discovered from COVID? Probably really the swimming community sticking together like never before. I mean, the club was closed. We, we swam from the north, northern end. And then also with the technology that we, you know, we're using now and Zoom and all that sort of stuff, I've got a, a group of guys. I have a weekly Zoom, Zoom call so we can see each other and have a chat. We call it the G five, you know, and we and it's just fight and we just sit there and we, we talk we talk about bloke stuff and getting through stuff and all that. So that's the silver lining for me. Uh, what is the first place you'll travel to once we can now go overseas again? San Francisco. Yeah. Like it's, uh, I mean, it's Sydney's sister city. It's you know, and it and it holds a lot of meaning for me because I've got family roots there, and um, I think it's a fantastic city. So I'd love to go back there. What game are or were you really good at? Well, I, I'm a keen sailor, uh, and. I love tennis as well, but I was never really A grade or anything like that. But I, I was certainly, cer- certainly always gave it a go. Uh, what's your death row meal? Oh, mama spaghetti bolognese, mate. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat it. It's a secret recipe. <laughs> and mate, what uh, will finally break the internet? Probably the hackers. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> that. They seem 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 to be. Yeah, I'm getting ten. 
I'm warranted calls a day these days. I don't know how they find me, but yeah. <laughs> well, mate, I'm no hope. I've got my technology with uh, with the latest, uh, you know, internet and everything else, mate. I struggle. Yeah, same. All right, uh, Jace, mate. It's uh, great to have you in the beach shack and uh, tell your story. And congratulations on overcoming the fear of uh, swimming in deep water, and also what you had to say uh, about mental health and and helping from the time you had to resuscitate your dad. And I think that will really go a long way with people listening. Yeah, th- thanks, Hopper. I appreciate you having me on. And you know, if I can, if this has helped one person, and we think we've done our job. Yeah, that's right, mate. Uh, I'll catch you down the beach soon. No doubt. See you very soon, mate. Now let's go to Beach Banner. This week in the Beach Shack, we've uh, got Brad Rope, Ropey from Maroubra Lifeguards. He's come back in again. He loves the Beach Shack. And uh, welcome, Ropey. Hey, Hop. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Mate, uh, a lot of the lifeguards, especially over the last 10 years, have had kids. And uh, how about you tell your story? Because I think you were trying for one. And uh, what happened, mate? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, mate. Well, yeah, I, I had triplets, you know what I mean? And, and anyone who's had kids before, even if they've had one, knows how hard it is with one kid. So, mate, having three is obviously, you know, triple triple times as hard. And, um, yeah, mate, it's... um. It was crazy from day one. I think me and my wife went to our first scan, you know, thinking there was just going to be one kid there. And, um, yeah, the doctor actually said, hey, there's three heartbeats here. Um, <laughs> yeah, which was a crazy feeling, mate. You know, it was. Um, we, we've obviously got twins in the family, um, you know, on both sides. But, yeah, the three heartbeats to come up on that first scan was just crazy. What was that feeling like, though? Like, it must have been – like, did you – sort of doubt that that was the case? Did you think that, geez, they must have it wrong here or? A hundred percent. I think we got the doctor to actually scan again, you know. Um, but, you know, in, in saying that, it was actually, it was a pretty hard, um, mate, it was a really hard thing because, you know, it was an early scan and basically, you know, the doctors elaborated how, you know, let's let's come back next week. Obviously, there's a lot of issues with multiple babies and stuff like that. So, you might come back next week. There'll only be two. There could be one. Mate, they all might, you know, pass away due to the fact that there's not much room in the womb and stuff like that. So, as much as it was crazy feeling, it was actually pretty daunting as well. Yeah, like, yeah, it was a, a pretty crazy time for me and my wife. So there's a possibility there where you could have lost one or maybe even all three, depending on how it all panned out? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's basically what he said. It was a week-to-week basis. And um, we even, you know, we had counsellors come and speak to us. There was a thing called um, a reduction, you know, due to the fact that, you know, we might not be financially set or we might not have the family's help and stuff like that. So obviously they've got to look after people's health and well-being and stuff like that as well. So there was some uh, there was some pretty crazy chats that went on, you know, between our family and, and obviously with the doctors. But, mate, all in all, we had three healthy baby girls and um yeah everything went really smoothly mate it was um yeah quite a crazy crazy time but yeah yeah everything went really well <laughs> well mate i've got two girls myself and one's 23 now and one's 19 so all i've got to say mate, is, is good luck at having three girls in teenage years <laughs> yeah oh look it's full on i think the first six months was was the craziest we actually had a no pair a Japanese au pair, she might even be listening to this. She loved Bondi Rescue. 
Um, yeah, she, her name was Midori Suzuki. She was unbelievable. Obviously, my wife's mother and um, uh, Robin and my mother, uh, Helen, were really heavily involved and even my sister who lives next door, luckily. like We've had a lot of help and we've had a lot of family and friends that have been amazing to help out. Um, but, you know, in saying that, you know, even though it was, it was very hard, like, you know, even today coming home from work, you know, I've got three daughters that are now, you know, nearly two years old running to the door with their arms up, screaming out, daddy, daddy, daddy. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure, um, you know, all those hard times, it, it really makes up for it, all these beautiful moments that, are, that have been happening over the past couple of years. Yeah, mate, it's, uh, it is beautiful and, uh, you know, having the, the kids and, but how do you, um, they all want your attention. So how do you evenly do it? Or, you know, do some want more attention than the others? It must be hard with three of them at the same age. Mate, it is impossible. You know, every morning they're in the same room. They're in three little cribs. And every morning I've got three of them just yelling, daddy, daddy, daddy. So, and, you know, I pick one up and then I pick another one up. And then there's always one crying and wanting my attention. So, look, the only way I can sort of say is I try and mix it up a little bit. You know, I, you know, for instance, it's Ruby, um, Ailey and Paloma. I'll pick up Ailey and Paloma one day, let Paloma, uh, let the other one cry, and then um, the next day I'll, I'll mix it up. Um, you know, I try and get one-on-one time with them as well. I've got a four-year-old son, Xavier, and, you know, it's obviously been a little bit difficult for him as well, you know, missing out on all that attention. So, yeah, yeah. yeah we've been very mindful, me and my wife, Lisa, about, you know, making sure that they're all getting one-on-one time. Yeah. Oh, mate, well, that's... Uh... Congratulations and uh, yeah, mate. Uh, keep up the good work. So thanks for yeah, pop- yeah. thanks for popping in, mate. To all those fathers out there, all the best. <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts, and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, Beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.